things early career recruitment the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with generation z with all the information that you'll need it's the jack and ollie show hello and welcome to the early careers podcast with myself ollie sidwell and me jack denton uh, welcome to today. So this is the first in Series 7. Uh, we ended Series 6 with a professor, and we begin Series 7 with a professor. Um, Tim Vorley, how are you? Hi there, guys. Pleased to meet you. I'm glad to, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. So, Professor Tim Vorley, you are a Pro Vice Chancellor and Dean at Oxford Brooks Business School. You've previously held positions at uh, University of Sheffield, Oxford and Cambridge, before joining Brooks last year. Um, so we're gonna have a really good conversation with you today. The topic is the university degree, a passport into employment. So Jack, what do you think we're gonna get out of today? Uh, I don't know, maybe some sandboxes, maybe some passports, some stamps in that passport. I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see what's <laughs> in store for us. <laughs> well, what will to that is for the listeners. Um, well, Tim, let's come, so in terms of you and your role, so you're a researcher and lecturer by trade. Um, and you now lead the exec team in the business school there at Brooks. So what does your role actually entail? Yeah, so um, my kind of uh, day job, like you say, is as the dean of the business school, which is effectively bringing that leadership to the school and, and overall responsibility for the, uh, the faculty and the students within it. I also uh, have the, the, the fancy title of Pro Vice-Chancellor, which uh, is testament to the kind of the institutional leadership dimension of, of my role. Uh, where I have responsibility really for kind of enterprise and really entrepreneurship, I suppose, in those two areas across the wider university and how we can use that to try and increase employability as well. So lots of kind of interesting areas that kind of come together, but it's great to have a, a role that is beyond the business school thinking about that agenda across the university. Hmm. So I think one of the things we, we wanted to look at is um, kind of employability and how a university prepares you for that. But I guess before maybe we jump right into that, we could sort of zoom out a bit and see if we could define or understand what university is for. Why do people go to university and what people are hoping to get out of it? Is it something purely academic? Is it purely just to get a job or is it none of those things? And actually, it's just to live away from your parents and go wild for three years. I think on on one level, what we could say is that the, the role of universities in people's lives has changed. Um, We've seen changes in the number of universities, the range of universities, and it really has opened up higher education in a kind of a range of ways. That means we're seeing across the sector a variety of learners coming in and taking different things from that experience. I think that certainly when I went to university, um, which which wasn't so long ago, but it feels it now, um, the nature of university the fees that were paid were different and the expectations of learners were different it was almost a rite of passage but I think what we're increasingly seeing now is kind of more conscious student behavior decision making and choice this isn't just a rite of passage it's about trying to ensure that they're best positioned to take on their future careers and improve like you say the theme of what we're talking about, employability. So certainly some of the reasons for going to university are around um, the subject knowledge hugely important. We recognise that in certain subjects, that subject knowledge is absolutely critical to the future career that an individual may go on to. Uh, But I think that beyond that, what we're also seeing now is, and this is where for me employability comes in, 
it's that kind of wider range of achievements, the skills, the understanding, the personal development um, that we see universities being able to provide to students. So how do we blend these together to give the best possible student experience that positions our graduate in the strongest possible place as they enter employment? So kind of picking up on what Ollie said at the beginning, this idea of a kind of a passport, yeah. uh, it's really that progression. It's the movement through. And I think that for me, one of the things that certainly I'm thinking about, colleagues at Brooks are thinking about, uh, as well as other places that I've worked, is how we can support people on that journey, effectively putting those stamps into that passport. Do you think that um, um, that the courses that people choose now, you know, maybe since fees have, have increased, are more focused on um, an end goal of employment rather than the joy of studying it because, you know, I liked English literature when I was at school. I'm just going to study English literature. I don't know where it might lead. Whereas, like, for example, I know that um, uh, uh, law undergraduate degrees have had an enormous increase in the number of students who have enrolled on those because it's it seems quite a, a clear route to where you're going by studying that subject. Do you think that's become prevalent over the last you know, few years, decade or whatever? One of the things that we've got to recognise is there is that diversity of learners. I mean, I think university would be an awful place if everyone that came to university came there purely because they saw it as a transactional, must-have-this education to be able to enter that career. Um, What we're really about is personal development and learning, and that learning is across a whole range of subject areas. So whether it is kind of philosophy or English or some of these subjects that are not allied to a profession or a career, Um, they're still equally valid and valuable to the learners that go on them because of the wider range that people are developing. So um, I don't think all careers, and we can certainly see this in what the social sciences do, they're not always allied to a profession, but we see graduates from the social sciences, an area that I'm familiar with, moving into a whole raft of professions where they progress and they develop their careers based on the skills that they've gained around that different knowledge base that they may have developed while at university so um, I'm a real advocate for trying to maintain that breadth I want to see as much kind of uh, arts humanities and social science as I do kind of STEM subjects and and maths all of these are important but what we really need to make sure is that we're producing a portfolio of graduates that are helping them to achieve what they want to do and in some instances that will inevitably see universities change their offer we will see university courses emerging in some areas where there might be uh, a greater appetite or demand for skills. So particularly at the moment around data analytics, thinking around things where we've got more applied skills, moving into professions where we recognize there are skills shortages and graduates from those courses are highly employable because of their knowledge base. But that's equally not to undermine those that are perhaps on courses which are not, like say, allied immediately to a particular career or a particular profession. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it can be really easy to try to um, group all students together. Students think this, or people at these types of universities are like this. Whereas, yeah, like you're saying, actually, it's just this enormous range of people. Some people are going to do it because they love to study it. Some people are going to do it because they just think it's the next thing to do, or what? Like a, a thousand different reasons. And that's kind of interesting. And that probably adds a challenge when it comes to you know what you're trying to do in terms of preparing people for a future out after after university. No, absolutely. I I mean, we have to recognise that learners are individual. We we look at this from when they come to campus, beginning to explore what university they want to go to. 
It's trying to understand how they and their expectations of a university will be fulfilled by that particular higher education provider. Um, so thinking very much about what it is that they want from university and how that university can help them achieve that kind of success for them as individuals. What we're, we're not in the business of is kind of like mass courses that are simply trying to produce homogenous outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about the programs in the business school uh, and what we're doing and what we're currently developing, uh, much of it is around kind of the, the structures and the scaffolds that enable learners to take on their particular learner journey. And that learner journey, I think, is really important because, again, thinking about where they want to be at the end of that journey when they graduate with us and they move into the workplace, they need to have and address the skills gaps, the knowledge gaps um, that they need to be able to move into employment. But equally, like I say, we also want to give them the, the knowledge and the skills about things that they're interested in around. And it's not that simply what we are trying to do is to provide education just to make them employment ready. We're trying to make them life ready. That is kind of a broader range of skills, a broader knowledge base, the ability to think critically, which actually then plays out through their career. And we see them kind of drawing on it. And we know from research that this is something that degrees are real kind of value added in terms of income over the um, the life of a graduate, that by going through that path that they they typically earn more than non-graduates. But actually, more than that, it's about trying to enable them to have that kind of fulfillment more widely? How can we get them to think about a wider range of issues and social and societal challenges that, that will kind of be with them, not just through their career, but through their lives? Yeah, when you, when you talk about the, um, almost back to the passport analogy, where you were talking about having different stamps that go in the passport to show uh, show everything you've learned and all your credibility, and just talk us through everything you're, you do and everything you do at Brooks in terms of recognizing all those skills and that knowledge um, and how students build those effective stamps as they go through their their journey with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, I guess first and foremost is you've got the formal program. So um, the programs that that Brooks, like many other universities, deliver, um, they have a a curriculum associated with, we have learning outcomes, and those learning outcomes are the kind of formal expectations that as learners go through those particular programs, we would anticipate that they have at the end of it. So a kind of a measurable or a demonstrable kind of success that is associated uh, with performance on programme. So hence how we begin to get to degree classifications. Within that, though, we don't expect every student to write an essay on every course. So we begin to look at what are those skills and those attributes that learners are developing. So whether that's teamwork, whether it's developing presentation skills, whether it's report writing skills. Now, I think one of the challenges is trying to encourage learners to reflect on uh, the types of skills that they're developing on that journey. Because I think that people kind of take for granted, I've got an assessment, I've got an assignment, I've got a presentation. But all of these are skills that enhance employability. And these are the things that we need to get our kind of graduates, our students to develop as they go along, to make them well-placed to move into the world of work. So if those things are really important, Tim, um, why why don't we examine students on them? So why don't you do your, you know, your academic modules and do modules that also score you on those, those other elements? I think there's, there's two sides to this. So some of those skills are obviously assessed. So where we are looking at presentation skills, they are assessed uh, within the assessment of those particular modules where they may be used. But I think that it's also about beyond assessment here. It's about the development and that personal, like I said, the individual journey that these learners are going on and actually how we can help them develop as individuals. And I think that some of that 
um, isn't just about pure assessment. So when you look at university life, there are a wider range of activities where students have the opportunity to develop those skills through the university life. Now, that might be affiliated with the students' union. It might be by getting involved in societies. It could be by participating in things like the enterprise support that's around the university um, in order to try and build individuals into more rounded characters that have these attributes that we know employers are looking for. So it's part of the journey is the assessment. But I think that there's this other part to it, which is much more about opening up opportunities for individuals to develop and, and that kind of sense of personal development. It sounds very similar to, uh, we were speaking to Bob Allison, who I know you know, um, uh, he's a professor and or BC at Loughborough in the previous series. And what he's done at Loughborough is create this personal best, which is almost a self-assessment for the students to go through to test three things. So their academic credentials, their personal development, uh, and also their professional development. And it's, it's a bit of a a guidance for first years to pick up this it's an app and they go through it and they try and mark themselves in terms of how they're developing as they go through the years and it's certainly fairly recently launched and have you heard about that at all and is there anything you think that you do that helps students from that side that helps them develop uh, so I'm, I'm not familiar with with what's going on at Loughborough and I know that there's a variety of kind of interesting things going on across the sector I guess kind of where we're coming from is trying to create space for students to reflect on that learning and, and, and think about opportunities beyond their particular program. So one of the things that we've been working on uh, and we implemented in the last year was something called program uh, personal enhancement groups on programs. So this is about trying to bring in a wider range of experiences that are effectively not curricular. It's not about assessed learning, but it's giving individuals opportunities to reflect on particular skills or challenges or on the world of work by bringing the outside in. And another kind of phrase that I quite like is, is thinking about the university as a sandbox. We want to create that safe space for students to think about their future careers, to test things out, to see how they may fit and to learn within it. And I think that that is one of the really valuable elements of what a university does. So um, our kind of program enhancement groups, um, very much around the idea of trying to expose students to different things whether that is particular employers particular challenges what are employers looking for um, and then also some of the the skills elements of this how do we kind of work on presentation skills how do we think about interviews how do we think about the way in which um, by doing things like internships we can develop skills that actually enhance the value of a degree when people move into the world of work and how how much is too much with employ employability because when when we spoke before, you, you much, were talking about... You have too much? Well, that's, that's part of my question. I'm interested about this, Jack. Because when we spoke before, you were saying like how important it is to feed all these skills through, but actually having maybe a degree where you get employers too close to it, it, it kind of actually harnesses and impacts, sorry, the, uh, that sandbox idea where it's, you're almost free to try things. It doesn't matter if you fail because you're, you're learning as you go. I think the, the key part in your question there is this learning as you go. What we need to do is we need to make sure that our students are continuing to learn. They learn from what they do well, but they also learn from what they don't do as well so they can improve on their performance uh, moving forward. I think the, the kind of link with employers is really interesting. I think that what I don't want to do is to be seen simply as a, a funnel to recruit into particular types of organisation. I think that 
the indicator of success for me is that the graduates from Oxford Brooks Business School and Oxford Brooks University, they move and transition into graduate level employment and then they undertake fulfilling careers from that. Um, what I'm not here to do and what the business school isn't here to do is to simply act as a kind of an engine or a sausage factory producing particular types of graduates that will go into a particular type of organisation. And it comes right back to what you were saying earlier about the kind of the individuals. It's very much trying to say, how can we help the individuals through the programmes, through the university experience to come out of that journey uh, and be ready to embark on the world of work and the journey that they will take. And I think that when I look and think about my career and the students that I've kind of seen graduate from university and move through their careers, there's no two that have taken the same path. Mm. Everyone is taking different journeys. They might have different stamps in their passport to come back to that analogy. But actually, what we're trying to do is to make sure that that passport can help them move through careers, between careers, across careers, um, and ultimately, maybe into self-employment, maybe taking on um, a role starting up a business as an entrepreneur. Um, and all of those things are based on the credentials, the learning, and the building blocks, if you like, that we give them through university and the university experience. So I'm really keen that what we don't do is just simply become focused on a particular uh, employer. Although saying that, what we do have is some degrees that are much more allied to particular professions. So if I think about accounting and finance that we have at Oxford Brooks, when we are supporting our learners when it comes to having accounting accreditations that help them move directly into the profession, um, again, it's a slightly different type of outcome, but it is really enhancing their employability. So thinking about the role of that professional recognition is hugely important uh, on some degree programs uh, and less on others. But ultimately, it's the skills uh, as well as the knowledge base. It's not simply an either or. I guess sort of in life, you only know what you know and don't know what you don't know in the sense that um, if until you hear an, an idea or a skill or something you need to learn about, it's quite hard to develop it. You might have you might already have it or you might have developed it without realising. Um, but perhaps there could be um, a stronger role, and maybe, maybe there already is, between employers and universities more generally to help understand the skills that they're looking for and they would like people to develop. Because, you know, like I, I sort of appreciate um, what you're saying in terms of this wide range of skills that somebody builds up, that, they, that it's not just their pure academics, it's a whole, whole um, a variety of things. But it, I, I would just think from my point of view, if I was a student, it would be kind of cool if someone said to me, right, Jack, here's a list of actually really important skills that you should learn. And you're going to learn them across your degree. But if you when you're going through it and you can actively realize that you're developing that skill, I think that's more powerful. Yeah, I don't disagree, Jack. I think there are a couple of things there. So the first one, when it comes to the types of skills, um, so many universities, many business schools in particular, have advisory groups that kind of work with the executive team and work with those uh, developing programs. Um, and through that process, we're constantly thinking about the types of skills the types of learning outcomes that are relevant to the world of work. So by having those individuals contributing to that dialogue, to thinking about what our programs need to be, what our future programs need to be, how do we develop and update modules to make sure that they're equipping our learners with what they need as they move into the workplace is, is actually kind of what we're all about. That is our business. Um, I think you're quite right about kind of helping people to reflect. I think one of the things that... Um, I'm conscious of is that we don't want to be prescriptive. We don't want to simply say, right, we are going to give you all of these skills. 
uh, and these are the skills that you need. What we want to do is to enhance where those particular students, where those learners are at. Um, creating the space for that is hugely important. And I guess some of the things that I've done through my career and the things that I'm bringing to Brooks and that we're trying to kind of uh, incorporate is by creating greater opportunity for reflection. So uh, when I was teaching on kind of enterprise and entrepreneurship modules, um, one of the kind of key aspects of that is not necessarily just encouraging people to think about the type of business or how to start a business. Um, there's a whole range of entrepreneurial and enterprising skills that we want the learners on those types of programs to develop. So I actually introduced something which is kind of widespread. It's not unique to me. I'm not kind of suggesting that this is what I've come up with. But actually introducing an aspect of the assessment where we try to get the, the learner to reflect on what they've learned um, and actually about what skills they've developed on that particular course. So it allows them to kind of take this on and we're trying to say, it's not a tick box. Don't try and tell me what you think you want me to know. Tell me about what you feel, what worked, what didn't, what did you feel that you could have done better? What is it that you felt that you now know that you didn't know before? And it tries to draw out that reflection both on the subject knowledge, but on the skills. And more importantly to me, I think the, the application of those skills. So how do we kind of encourage learners to do that across a wider range of topics? Um, yes, that is something that I think that we need to continue to do and continue to develop. And I think we are doing that. And across the sector, there's lots of examples of organizations that do do that in different ways. Um, but ultimately, it does come back down to the individual. How can we help the individual recognize what it is that they're actually doing, what it is that they're learning, and what skills it is that they are developing? slightly random question actually that's sort oh, of, it's sort of related to kind of <laughs> what we're talking about but not not directly um so um when when you've got a, um, a university degree and a course and all the modules on that um how easy is it to add a module or change a module or come up with a new course because i heard and this was just like i can't even remember where i heard it that it takes like five years to create a new course and sometimes by the time the course gets to market and people have gone through it actually what the the um that industry might have moved on from from where it is so how is that a problem and is it slow that process generally in universities um i, I i've never experienced something that takes that long um I mean, the there's obviously cycles that universities go through and a lot of that is actually to do with uh, ensuring quality uh, ensuring that the right questions are asked in the development of the course uh, and also making sure that there's a market there for the course and making sure that this is something. So we do a lot of uh, work trying to understand what kind of learner, what kind of individual might want to come on this course, how we are adding value to those learners. Um, but no, I, I certainly wouldn't say that the five years is right. I mean, it can be done relatively quickly. We can see these things happen in six months, typically uh, it may take a year. But I think it very much depends on the type of course and the type of level. There's obviously longer lead times for undergraduate programs. Um, slightly shorter lead times when we're thinking about postgraduate programs and moving into market. Um, so universities can be agile. And I suppose that the, the other thing that thinking about what's coming out of government and certainly the kind of recent white paper about lifelong learning, um, we need to be able to be more agile. We need to be able to think about repackaging uh, the types of skills that we give people. So I guess once upon a time, um, university degrees would almost be the kind of uh, point of departure where we see people going into the world of work what we're beginning to see now is that universities, uh, particularly around kind of um, masters and higher level, are now becoming where people are coming back to to develop and enhance that learning. 
Uh, and we need to be able to respond to that. And we are doing that in a very agile way. So sometimes that might be um, at a level that is kind of commensurate with a master's, but we're not awarding a master's degree, but we can begin to award credit. So one of the things that we're actively looking into developing is looking at micro-credentials, which is how do you build a degree, not by doing your classic um, 15, 20, 30 credit module, but by a collection of smaller credits over a longer period of time. And I think that that represents a response of the university sector and certainly within Oxford Brooks to the conversations that we're having with business and that we're having with people in employment about how they want to learn, what they want to learn, and the need for that learning to help them continue to develop across their careers, recognising you can't possibly be 21, leave university and think, I know it all, I've got all of the skills. How do you then kind of build that moving forward to try and support people throughout their careers to, to make sure that they're always kind of ready for that next step? It'd be good if there was a more formal um, way for people to understand those micro-credentials. So, like, a degree is fairly obvious. If you've got a degree, you've got a degree, right? It's, oh, oh, you've completed that. But if you've got 15 credits from a course at a great university on its own, it's not really that useful. It kind of looks like you either didn't finish it or you – like, I've got – I think I've got 15 credits from the University of Essex in Spanish as an additional course that I did. But, I mean, I, that's, it's basically – you can't use that. It doesn't – I mean, apart from being able to speak Spanish with it, the actual qualification <laughs> seems useless. So you can use it, but it's not. It's not CV. Is it on your CV? That's the that's the true no. test. Who's going to put fifteen credit micro? Who's going to put that on their CV? Because it's not recognised at the moment, is it? Yeah. Look, I think you raise an interesting point. That actually, what you've learned there is a skill. You, you've drawn something out in terms of your ability to to speak Spanish, if even only at a basic level. That that actually could be on your CV. And I think that what we need to think about is how we articulate and present this. And I think that kind of being someone that kind of reviews CVs when appointing people, you look for particular things on it. You look for the way, and this is all, again, an employability skill about how we frame it and, and may well be a focus of another kind of podcast, but it's that ability to help students and learners and graduates articulate the value of what they do. So with regards to micro-credits and micro-credentials, you're exactly right. It's not the way that uh, at the moment people look for degrees, but I think it's about the way that we build degrees because it may well be that those micro-credentials add up to a degree in a given point. But yeah. in interim, what we need to recognise is that individuals are developing skills. They're developing new knowledge bases. They're developing new abilities and capabilities that they will take into the world of work. And, and while that might be a, a different pathway to the classic degree, um, I certainly think it's something that when we look at the lifelong learning white paper and what's coming out of the Department for Education, um, there is a direction of travel there that universities need and are responding to, to to meet the future needs of learners. Do you think there's a communication um, uh, issue there that could be better from the point of view of a student? So if you were if you were better at communicating that, and all students were communicating these extra things that they had on their CVs, then people would um, value it more. Because if if you always saw those sorts of things, you, you and then the same also with the reflection on the skills that they develop. Because a lot of people put skills, they just put like a tiny bit on their CV that basically says Microsoft Word, email, and I can read and write. Like it's like they're so basic, like they're, whereas actually they've got these, like, but it's never, there's never any big, but actually these are my real skills that I've developed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you shouldn't undermine the art of putting a CV together. And I think that it is about trying to, when you're thinking about what you've done, and particularly early on in a career, you often see the kind of competency type-based assessment, and it's using what you have learned that might not be kind of readily um, 
something that you would articulate or present on a CV in a way through an assessment centre if you are a recent graduate that enables you to demonstrate those skills uh, and how you've gone about getting and developing them. As you move through your career and you think about the different roles you move in, um, I guess normally what I would expect when kind of looking at CVs is to try and see that people are demonstrating those competencies uh, both on their CV, but also it really highlights the, the massive importance of the covering letter. How do you kind of articulate the skills that you've got, the way in which you've developed? So um, I think that it kind of um, almost is something that we, through the Employability Centre at the uh, university here at Oxford Brooks, we work with students on, and that's another element of trying to enhance their employability. But um, I don't think the onus is purely on the students. I think we also kind of need um, those in business to kind of understand there is this changing landscape and actually uh, the value of the different types of um, skills and routes to those skills that we're, we're beginning to see. And we know that through uh, increasingly um, T-levels being recognised. And, and actually, they're the kinds of new forms of assessment, new forms of award uh, that moving forward are going to be coming right up the radar when it comes to some of those new capabilities. And we need employers to be able to um, almost understand their value more in the way that we might other parts of the university journey, whether that is around micro-credentials or postgraduate certificates, postgraduate diplomas, which demonstrate achievement towards a particular outcome at a level, say master's level, but not necessarily a full master's degree. Mm. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on uh, the future with this, because when we start looking at skills for the future, I know one of the initiatives you're running at the moment is around like the role of AI in automating lower skilled work. So tell, tell us a bit more about that, the research you're doing and, and how you think that will play out in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the projects that I'm involved with at the moment uh, is looking at what we're calling next generation services firms. And these are professional services firms, so the likes of accountants, uh, lawyers, uh, insurance industries, and really trying to understand how technology is changing those careers and the jobs within those careers. So if you think about what increasingly technology can do, um, the likes of AI, um, there's a lot of hype out there about how AI uh, is taking jobs, it's making people redundant. But I think what we're seeing in the kind of professions is that it's actually changing the nature of careers. Um, and with that, that means that we may see some forms or tasks automated. So certain highly repetitive tasks may be automated through particular technologies. But actually, what we want to be able to do is we want those technologies to enable professionals in those particular careers to unlock higher value tasks. How can they redeploy their time uh, to do things that have a higher value where there may be judgment that is needed rather than simply kind of process-based tasks? Um, so a key challenge, I guess, taking that research and thinking about what that means within the university and for education is trying to make sure that our graduates are kind of future ready, that they can interact with and relate to those technologies in a way that actually augments their role within an organization rather than simply detracting from it by undertaking those repetitive tasks. So yeah, there's some really interesting research going on at the moment. The project that I'm involved with, like I say, focused on legal and accounting, uh, but looking at a range of sectors. And we see this kind of right the way through from the professional sectors through to manufacturing, where uh, we're seeing a lot of digital manufacturing. We're seeing the use of kind of industry 4.0 technologies 
um, that are changing the nature of work in a whole raft of different sectors and in different professions. So um, universities need to respond to that, and I'd suggest are responding to that in different ways by the focus of what their programmes and their courses are, and also the skills of what we're trying to develop with our graduates. Maybe we'll have AI-developed courses at one point. Courses developed by an AI. I, I think you, you could, well, it actually exists already out there at the moment, Jack, not in universities, but I have seen things where you can uh, put in what your uh, aspirations are, what your courses are, what you need to know for your profession, and actually the, um, the software recommends a series of courses for you to take. So uh, those kind of things do exist. We're not quite there at the moment uh, where I am, uh, and I don't know that we would want to be. We want to be able to engage with businesses um, AI is a, a technology which is emerging and evolving. Uh, there's lots of kind of value to be had, but I still think uh, by working with employers and trying to understand what their needs are, by thinking about what our academics know through their research, uh, and also trying to work with a whole raft of kind of other stakeholders, national and international, we've got some really exciting opportunities to try and support our graduates to be kind of future ready. Right. So it's going to be a bit of a while, a bit of a while before Skynet takes over. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, so it's a bit of a recap then. I'm going to try and play this all back to you, see if I've uh, listened to everything um, so our listeners can get a recap. So we've talked about this passport into employment, and this passport actually involves everything involved with a degree. It's not just the course, it's all the skills, uh, such as teamwork, you know, working uh, with different people in different um, departments on your course, just learning all these different skills whilst you're at university that so may be enterprising. Curricular stuff so as well, right? It's also so ex extracurricular stuff. So it might be playing in the sports team or being part of the dance society or just living on your own and cooking for yourself or dealing with all the sort of problems that come in life when, you, when you're when you there on your own. I think they're all skills that help you through life, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe don't stick that on your, on your uh, uh, CV, maybe. But or maybe yeah, do. Buy an egg. So, <laughs> um, so the whole point of this passport is it all comes together. It all comes together with these different stamps, stamps of authority that go in the passport to give you your credentials. Um, and the, the beauty of the university degree is that, coming back to that sandbox we spoke about before, was the fact that you can learn, you can fail in this sandbox, and it doesn't impact you too much because you're, it's a learning process and everyone agrees that we're all there to help each other and, and get through it. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I, the kind of coming to university is not just about qualification. Um, within that qualification, there is a whole raft of activity and development that occurs, um, some of which is formal through what we offer through the faculty and through the university. But it's that wider opportunities to develop yourself, develop your CV, and experience new things that university really brings. And I think that it's really important that we recognise the value in that. And, and also recognise that each individual will take different things. It's not about mm -hmm. trying to, to create a single outcome here. It very much is about trying to enhance what individuals are looking for in terms of achieving their own aspirations when they, they graduate from the university. And I think that for me as well, the challenge moving forward is actually about retaining that relationship. We think about alumni as a point of departure where you leave the university, but actually how do we kind of perpetuate that in the kind of, the, the kind of an era where lifelong learning is only going to become more and more important in order to make sure that the workplace is, is really at the frontier and that people continue to have the skills that they need to develop and kind of fulfil their career ambitions. 
that's I think probably the biggest takeaway for me is the idea that I had in my mind before we started this conversation is that there should be a specific outcome of university if we define what that is and then we can talk about how you get there but there's not this it's just totally dependent on the individual do you think there might be courses in the future whereby um, it includes some of the lifelong learning so you basically pay for your three-year degree but you also get uh 60 modules or 60 credits you can use over the rest of your lifetime at the university um it's a really interesting question i guess the the kind of the nature of whether you would want to present a program like that and whether you would want to try and have it so there is that kind of coming back as part of a formal program or whether actually what you do is you have that kind of foundation that people can bolt and build onto uh, across their careers is a really interesting one. Uh, I've certainly been involved in conversations throughout my career where we've said, well, is a degree something that should be um, a three-year thing, which is the kind of convention? Should we uh, compress it into a two-year thing? Or do we um, kind of elongate it over a five-year or eight-year period where the intensity of learning is less? And people can take on that kind of learning alongside their their work as it may be um, in parallel. Um, And I think that those things do exist in different forms already. So we we certainly see some examples of compressed degrees. Uh, We see people doing part-time degrees over a longer period. So uh, I think there are lots of options that exist out there. And it's really about trying to see how we innovate. And I think that that is the challenge for universities moving forward. How do we deliver education in a way that learners want to consume it and that adds value to what they're trying to achieve. Is there anything that we haven't asked you yet that we should have asked you? Oh, tricky question. Uh, <laughs> known knowns and known unknowns. Um, I, I suppose the one thing that we, we haven't touched on, I guess, is when I think about the business school and some of the things that um, we want to be able to do and support learners with, um, there's always a challenge that has intrigued me, which is that when I think about medics, um, they take their practice, they do their rounds, they're in a hospital. Uh, if we think about engineers, they're often kind of not just doing this in a, a classroom, they're doing it in labs, they're doing the practicals around a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, with business school students, I think that one of the things that we want to be able to do is to try and ensure that we give them the opportunity to apply those skills. Uh, and the sandbox is really important, but I guess kind of thinking to the future here, um, is, is what that looks like. And, and the onus is certainly on us, and we are developing and playing with ideas at the moment to try and say, how can we try and do this in a more applied way as well? How can we give our learners that much more applied experience as part of their degree program, not just through taking a year in industry or uh, having particular modules, but are there more innovative and creative ways of doing that? So could it be the kind of thing that we build alliances with businesses where we may have a university-owned business that we can begin to put our graduates into. So food for thought for the future, but not quite where we are at the moment. Yeah, that would be really cool, wouldn't it? Imagine, you know, <laughs> if you could just do it as part of your, you know, one day a week or half a day a week, you, it would be awesome, yeah. Right, well, thank you very much for um, coming on the podcast, Tim. I really appreciate it. We've covered um, a lot of things. We've got a lot of stamps, stamp, stamp, stamp. Um <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, the analogy's fitted throughout, hasn't it? We've, we've come back to it. So I feel like people will know and understand the, the topic. Good. Well, it's been, it's been enjoyable talking to you, and I, I hope that I've uh, added value to the kind of first in this new series of podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks very much. Um, 
I hope you've um, enjoyed being on the show. Um, I've been Jack. And I've been Ollie. And that is the Early Careers Podcast. See you next time. Bye. For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show.